0: leadership happens in so many different ways and chelsea king embodies so many of them today i'm excited to be able to sit with chelsea this is someone who is passionate about youth small businesses homelessness diversity not to mention equity and inclusion she founded heart centered work in 2007 which is focused on cultivating dignity in the workplace through honest and kind communication processes she also serves as the chair on the West Lynn Wilsonville School Board, where she was instrumental in the development of a career and technical high school and a K-12 Spanish immersion program. And if that wasn't enough, Chelsea co-founded the Wilsonville Alliance for Inclusive Communities, connecting people to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I am so proud to have Chelsea as both a peer and friend, as well as someone who also shares in the journey of raising teenagers. I'm leadership development coach Lou, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Leader Manager Podcast. Without further ado, let's jump into it. Chelsea, hello.
1: Hello, Lou.
0: Hey, thank you for joining me today with this deep dive into leadership. And I know we we cross paths in the coaching arenas. Um, this is where I got hold of your Ability to do the right thing, your compassion toward people, your genuine interest to learn, as well as just being a strong woman who's not afraid of leading, which I just always felt that was so just beautiful and inspiring, um, even for the guys. <laughs> so I'd really love for you to share a little bit more about you and. Um, before we get into all the meat of um leadership and 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 some of the things that you'll share with us today i'd love the audience to know where you come from what makes you you and where and how you show up from a leadership standpoint in your life
1: yeah thank you so much for having me and um, i'm really thankful that our uh professional paths crossed in the coaching world and that we've got to know each other um, through the lens of being parents of um, students and um, some of the other ways too, that we show up in the world. So, you know, you mentioned um, my compassion and my uh, willingness to do hard as a leader, and I can attribute uh, the development of those qualities to a difficult childhood. Mm. Uh, I grew up with quite a bit of chaos uh, i attended seven different elementary schools four different middle schools mm. i lived in something like seven different states uh, there were multiple divorces and um, quite a bit of poverty in my childhood so you know going to school was actually something that um, for me was a place of safety and security i can remember one time being in a fourth grade classroom and engaged in a writing exercise where we needed to describe how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the reward for doing this exercise successfully was that one would be given a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to eat and i was so hungry and i wanted that sandwich so bad i carefully carefully wrote that assignment and was eagerly watching the teacher read the students papers in front of the classroom making the sandwiches or not And when she got to mine, she was following the instructions and she reached a place where I had forgotten to say, unscrew the lid. So she took that knife and on the lid of that peanut butter jar. And I knew at that moment I would not be getting that sandwich and my heart just dropped So that's just one example of, you know, what school was like for me. It was a place where I was given opportunity, um, but also a place where I learned about, like, wanting Mm. uh, and who had and who did did not have. Um, You know, thankfully, I had a lot of really good experiences with many, many teachers who taught me a lot, Um, some who helped me with dental care, Mm. um, one who encouraged me to get my master's degree Um, as a person paying my way through college. I had never even thought that that would be something I could do. So um, I think that those experiences, I mean, I'm I'm starting to kind of lead into my dialogue about public schools and the role that they have played. But um, I think also just those experiences gave me the ability to be in hard situations And um, to continue to persevere and also really to have a heart for people who help others and um, people who need help.
0: Right. Right. That is such a profound story. And it hurts me to hear um, a child having to go through that. And the fact that there were people in your life that you could rely on, that you could look up to that were there to help you is is incredible. Um, And for you to look back and see how fortunate it was to have those people in your life um, is so great. Um, And I could only imagine that does make you who you are. um, And and what adds up to all of these great qualities that you that you exude today, without a doubt. And I know that there's a, there is a a there is something that you can share with us today of a true life experience that to me just really highlights who you are as a leader, as a parent, as a community member, as just somebody who's there for people. And so I'd love you to share some of that.
1: Yes, so I think um, one of the things that's really been surprising to me as of late, but also very profound, is being in a leadership position of a school board uh, during the time of COVID Mm. and everything that we're experiencing in our schools right now in this, um, I don't think I can call it a post-COVID world. (laughs) At least our students are back to school in person now, but definitely not post-COVID yet. Yeah, so I think um, what I could do is just share a story about what that's been. And like, and, and maybe a turning point in that experience. So, as you know, because I know you lived it as well as I did, and many other people, we went um, about a year well, over a year of students being remote learning, mm-hmm. right? They did not go to school in person for over a year in Oregon. Yeah. And all of our local government offices were closed as well. SO WE WERE ON LOCKDOWN. PEOPLE WERE NOT LEAVING THEIR HOMES IF THEY DIDN'T HAVE TO. Um, AND, YOU KNOW, our, OUR GOVERNMENT OFFICIALS WERE MEETING REMOTELY ON ZOOM, OUR SCHOOL BOARD INCLUDED. SO FAST FORWARD TO JULY OF 2021. Um, HERE WE ARE, a, OVER A YEAR OF BEING REMOTE, AND WE'RE GOING TO HAVE OUR FIRST IN-PERSON MEETING. AND THERE'S A LOT OF pent UP FRUSTRATION. Hmm. on behalf of the public. Uh, They've been wanting to be heard, feeling frustrated and not having access. And um, so we were gonna meet in person. And I remember leading up to that meeting um, being asked by some district administrators if we should still go forth with meeting in person Hmm. because other school districts around us and other local governments were preemptively closing because large groups of people were showing up and protesting and I decided as the chair, it's my responsibility to make these kinds of decisions. I decided that we would go forward with being open. And I did that really because I wanted to keep the, the mission at the center. And okay. the mission was the students. Hmm. And we wanted our students to go to school in person. And so we needed to show up in person. So we we go forward, we show up for this meeting, and as soon as I pull into the parking lot, I have to, like, stop. I can't pull into the driveway because there are people blocking the driveway, and there are two separate protests going on. One is uh, a protest of folks who um, are against us teaching our students about race and racism. Mm -hmm. And so they had um, giant American flags that they were waving, and... um, you know, like uh, big signs that say things like, um, you know, stop telling me I'm racist. And, you know, uh, you can imagine, you know, what this scene looks like. And then there's another group and their parents who want to make sure that we're going to, in fact, go to school in person. Mm -hmm. And so there's like another faction and they're there and they have signs saying things like, you know, restore trust and, um, you know, don't lock us out of the classroom and things like that. So we Pull up, I walk through, you know, dozens of people who are protesting, go into the boardroom, have our our executive session that happens prior to the meeting. And then the administrators come in at one point and say, uh, all right, so we're going to go out there and, you know, the meeting is, there's a packed room. So, okay, like we're going forward though. Like, they're like, are you sure? Do you still want to do this? Yes, we're going to do this. So um, we enter, and I have to gather myself, and um, we go forward and enter that room and um, proceed to have public comment um, for 45 minutes. Mm. Um, and I think a couple of things are really relevant about that. Um, one is that I had to repeatedly, over several different uh, steps, make the decision to go forward, right. um, even in the face of fear. There were many opportunities to change our mind and to say, people are angry. There's, um, you know, they're going to say things we don't want to hear. It's going to be uncomfortable. Like maybe we should stop. Right. Um, but sending the trust to them that like the, they're going to do the best they can and we're going to go forward. And then, you know, going into that meeting, I mean, I don't know um, if you've been in situations like this, I'm sure you have, but my adrenal glands were telling me, you know, I was going into battle. Oh, for sure. Uh, so walk in, try to pretend to be, you know, cool and collected. And um, yeah, we proceeded to have um, 45 minutes of people venting their anger, um, saying a lot of different things that were true, not true. Um, we were at some points called market, Marxists. Yeah. Uh, Communists uh, blamed for the mental health of their children, um, suffering and, you know, lots of different things. So we made it through uh, that meeting tense and um, took a break, gathered a little less formally and proceeded, you know, with the business. Yeah, I think that, that that's one st- story. And I won't get into this other story, but there was another time, actually, I was thinking that this was the, the time I was going to tell you about. But the, the next month in August, I actually had to gavel a meeting closed because oh. the mask mandate was in place. Uh-huh. And people showed up and did wear their masks. And so, yeah.
0: Right. So, one of the things in that story that really stuck out for me was courage. So at so many points, I mean, courage to just pull in your car after seeing what you saw. You could have just picked up your cell phone and said, peace out. I'm not going to be there. See ya. Forget everyone. You could have done that in the closed door meeting ahead of time, the prep. And you could have said, that's it. No, they can. They're, they're, they're crazy people out there. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to give them the time of day. I'm not going to do it but no you you stuck to being there for the people and but that took had to have taken courage right so that courage just stands out really strong for me if you think back to that moment i mean really what allowed you to continue to take that next step in front of yourself to just be able to be there
1: oh that's a great question mm-hmm. i say a couple things in hindsight, two or three things maybe. One really is that fierce commitment to the mission. I knew we needed to get our students back to school in person Mm -hmm. and that we needed to show up in person. There was going to be no moving it to Zoom because I wanted it so badly for the students to not be on Zoom. So I think it's easier to be courageous when the the, the mission or the purpose is um, a non-negotiable. Hmm. So I'd say that's number one. Um, another thing I think that comes up for me is some act of faith, hmm. some act of faith in myself and the people around me, and some like higher power or the divine. Some act of faith that, that things were going to be okay one way or another. That this mm-hmm. was not um, the end of the world, so to speak. Right. That we were going to go forward. It was going to be a thing, and then it was going to end. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's important. And then also, I guess, I'm just trust in the people around me too. I mean, I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. I had a room full of people who were looking at me, mm-hmm. who I felt responsible for. You know, there was that one moment where I think I had my four fellow board members and maybe six or seven administrators all looking at me like, are we going out there? Because there's a lot of people out there and they're they're seeming hostile. Right. And saying yes was because I knew like if I went
0: forward courageously, they would too. Right. Oh, my gosh, that is so dead on. And yeah, the trust that. They have in you um, because of the way you lead, because of your passion, as well as I'm sure a whole history of things that you've you've built into this who you are, and they feel safe, right? And it's interesting, you know, when we talk about trust and that you have the trust of the people on your board. When you think about what you did and how you went through with it and and you listened to people and you allowed the forum to happen i can only imagine that you you started to create little little seedlings of trust all throughout everyone regardless of their their point of view or what they were trying to say or do but the fact that you showed up and you gave people a place to connect and to listen. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't wanna get too far out into some sort of national scene, but in some ways I think what's happening nationally is playing out in a really local Mm. uh, way, not just in our school boardrooms, but also um, in um, organizations and systems of all types right now. Right,
0: totally.
1: People are, I think, really, um, well, nobody needs me to say this. These are tough times. Mm. Um, They're transitional. um, They're ambiguous. They're unpredictable. Uh, There's a lot of different challenges that are happening for folks. And in that time, you know, everybody's stress levels are up and people don't, they're not on their best behavior. Human beings are not on their best behavior in times like this. Um, And so I think some... Element of um, being willing to stay with that and be in the messy and the uncomfortable yeah. um, if necessary. Mm-hmm. and then um, but also to do it, uh, what's coming up for me right now is this idea of doing so with firm boundaries. So it's almost like you know with parenting or mm-hmm. um, you know anything like that, like we let people, or an employee. Uh, we let people express their uh, frustration, their emotion, their disdain, their dislike, um, but they need to do it within certain parameters. Right. And so it's the same kind of thing, I think, where people are, they need to express their frustration with the state of affairs. Um, and if we try to silence it, SAME IS TRUE IN FAMILIES AND IN THE OFFICE BUILDING IS IN THE boardroom. IF WE TRY TO SILENCE IT AND PUSH IT AWAY AND PRETEND LIKE IT'S NOT THERE, IT TENDS TO SEEK OUT IN the, THE LEAST OPPORTUNE TIMES AND MANNERS. Right. AND SO JUST GOING RIGHT INTO THE FIRE, SO TO SPEAK, AND SAYING, ALL RIGHT, HERE WE GO. LET'S HEAR IT. WE'RE PUTTING IT ALL OUT ON THE TABLE, BUT WE'RE GOING TO DO SO WITH DIGNITY. WE'RE GOING TO DO SO WITH RESPECT. We're gonna do so with some amount of um, civility, mm-hmm. and you know, so a combination of that. I think that's what people need right now.
0: Yes, yes. There's a bit of um, the word that just came up for me was stewardship. That you're you're leading in such a way that people, and it's like you're you're leading the bigger the bigger thing. It's not you're leading your own little initiative, your own point of view, your own opinion no you're putting away putting aside all those things and you're saying no this is what's needed for everyone right now um which you know going back to that courage and and focus on the mission and people you know it builds it definitely builds that trust um with people when they see that you're truly authentic and and you know definitely empathetic right you know and there's this there's a, a bit of a definition on empathy that i really love. And it's one where the person really connects with people to understand how they tick and what their true true needs are and what's going on with them, right? There's that, if I understand why this audience is standing in front of me saying what they're saying, if I can truly grasp and understand, and this one I can truly connect and understand, to me, that's like, like uber leadership right there, which that's what... You, I see that you had to have done in that setting. Which...
1: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing in the importance of empathy. Uh, I think, you know, I'm a, a, I'm a politician mm-hmm. and I know that in today's world, that's a little bit of a dirty word. Um, but the truth is that a politician is someone who brokers power mm-hmm. and uses power to achieve an end and people can use their power Um, for good or you know otherwise Mm -hmm. one of the most powerful things that a person can do particularly if they have power is practice empathy Mm. and so the fact that you bring up empathy and weave it into this story I think is important it's actually really crucial that when one has power and is a essentially a broker of power that one really needs to stay centered in their empathy. So when people are getting up at the podium and they're saying things rationally, I don't agree with, right? I can't rationally understand what they're talking about sometimes, Mm -hmm. but I can at least feel in my heart, like, okay. They're scared. They're frustrated. Mm -hmm. They're desperate. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they, they, um you know, so much want to be heard or want to be understood, then at least I can come at it from that lens, like, we're not going to agree with a policy move. But I can agree with you or I can relate to you on a human level.
0: Right? Yeah, 100%. And that even kind of bridges me into this idea of community, right? So you can connect and they can feel like you heard them and you understand. And that's where people begin to have inclusion, they begin to feel safe. And, and to me, that's a community. And, and granted, it sounds like, you know, there is many different types of communities. And in your story, there's different groups of people that could be seen as separate individual communities. But I see you standing in the middle of all of that.
1: Yeah, I I love also that you MENTIONING COMMUNITY BECAUSE I THINK RIGHT NOW IT'S WHAT what WE'RE NEEDING. THERE'S A LOT OF TALK RIGHT NOW ABOUT MENTAL HEALTH Mm. AND SOME REALLY GOOD DATA COMING OUT. THE um, U.S. SURGEON GENERAL JUST RELEASED SOME DATA. OUR OWN STATE OF OREGON JUST RELEASED SOME DATA SHOWING THAT OUR STUDENTS' MENTAL HEALTH CRISIS IS EVEN WORSE THAN IT WAS BEFORE COVID. And what we know is that students need to feel like they belong. Yeah, They need to feel seen, and understood, and like they're part of something. We all, all humans do. And when our education system went remote, they lost that. Yeah. And particularly those students who um, maybe don't have something like a youth group at their church mm-hmm. or a basketball team, you know, that they belong to, um, that sense of belonging was completely stripped away from them. Um, So we adults also have our own mental health crises going on. And I do think that isolation and division is um, part of that. Mm -hmm. And so um, the more that we see ourselves as separate than, better than, Mm -hmm. different from, uh, the the worse that's going to be. Yeah. So as much as we can come together and say, like, I don't agree with your politics, but I can relate to feeling desperate for my kid yeah. or, you know, I don't know. I don't understand this idea that you have about race or racism. It's not my idea, uh, but I can see that you're worried about, the, you know, you're worried about things. Right. So, yeah, that I think community and empathy, um, they're lacking all around. Because as you know, Lou, they're hard. Yes. Empathy is hard.
0: Yes. Yes. And this is why it's not easy to be a good leader, right? Because these components, these pieces that you you have to work on. And it's not always natural for everyone, you know, and and that's where you just can't just assume that, oh well I I have this much power, I'm a good leader. There's there's actual components and pieces where you have them built, and you spend time developing them, the people around you begin to feel it, they actually can can identify with it, and they they want more of it. Um, and, you know, whether it's it could be even as simple as listening, this, this just, just be quiet, and listen, it's so powerful, you know, so um, there's so many different things that I see you exuding in in your role, and as you continue to do all of these different um, types of forms and things where you are somewhere along your life and likely as a child, you were already starting to work on these different things, whether it be empathy or courage or, or listening and being a steward, you know, any of one of those, your your upbringing opened these different doors that you decided to walk through and develop. And not all of us do that. Sometimes adversity is in front of us and we retreat or we or we ignore. In my mind, in order for you to be where you are and do the things you're doing, you developed it somewhere and somehow. So I just wanted to celebrate a little bit of that there.
1: Thanks, Lou. And I, I know um, I've had the um, pleasure of being coached by you before. And so even just listening to you say that, of course, it's always uncomfortable to hear anybody's, um speak about me. Um, but I think because I've been a client of yours, um, I I'm reminded of um, that role that you'll play sometimes with your clients, um, around like that mirroring and reflecting. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm able to receive it. I think, um, a little bit differently than sometimes, um, when I, when I, um, hear praise from people. So I appreciate that. And, you know, to be honest, like being, um, a public servant or a politician, uh, there's not a lot of uh, praise actually that comes our way right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as school board members, we really get h- quite hammered. Um, my inbox is full of messages about ways that we're failing. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to hear, you know, good things and to say, like, all right, um, you know, their leadership is hard. Uh, mm-hmm. One is subject to criticism when one's doing it um but you know staying true to uh, one's values and you know characteristics one other thing i'd like to add to the discussion too um not to you know at, like make it more complicated than it is but it's something i've been thinking about and that's the whole idea of pleasure activism mm-hmm. and the whole idea of like having fun and joy in the work and there's some really great, particularly um, Black feminist authors who are talking about this. That we can't be creative and imagine a new way of being if we're um, exhausted and overwhelmed and and beat down by the system that we're trying to change. Yeah. And so I hold that really close. That this this system that I am trying to change that puts power that uses power to um, for the purposes of greed and uses power for the purposes of oppression, Mm. that's the system I'm trying to dismantle. And I can't let that system dismantle me. And so I need to have people like you, my friends and family around me to support me as I do the work so I can keep that, that happiness and that joy and that creativity alive so that we can create something better than what we've seen so far.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that! And yes, one hundred and ten percent, you have my support in creating that. Not just for you, but anybody that I work with or interact with. I, I, uh, I agree. That energy helps us envision and see a better, a better way. And the more we can imagine what could be, the more powerful our future will be, right? And if we can't even imagine it because we're so oppressed, um, that it'll just be darkness. Um, so yes, thank you. So in these last few moments, when when you kind of think about what you bring in to leadership and and everything that you, you pull on to allow you to be in the political realm and be strong and, and rooted, what advice could you provide others who feel that they aren't strong enough to be that rooted, or they don't have the capability to be that rooted, to be that visible or to stand up and be courageous, what advice would you have for that that person?
1: Oh, that's a very rich question. I think the first thing that would come up for me would be that that person um, find the thing that, means something to them. Mm. So for some, it will be um, being on the school board, but for a lot of people, it won't. Um, I think of a woman I know who is taking care of her elderly mother, who's well into her nineties mm. and um, you know having to shepherd her about. And uh, this is a mother who she moved here from India. Mm. And that took a lot of courage for her to take that on. And um, she has to, you know, use empathy to take that on. And she's got to stay connected to what her mission is to take that on. And I applaud her in finding her own center and her own courage in that act of taking care of her ailing mother you know, I think of another woman. I um, she's actually a client of mine who has um, a student with um, pretty serious learning disabilities. He struggles in school. Um, she's got to go to a lot of meetings with learning specialists and principals and school psychologists and teachers, and uh, you know, she's got to have the courage to do that. Um, And stay true to her mission, which is helping her son. Mm. So I think I I share that as a way of saying, like, find what your thing is. Mm. Everybody's got it. You're already doing it somewhere in your life. You know, just be aware of it. Know that you're doing it. Honor yourself for it. Find someone like Lou who will repeat back to you, you know, the qualities that you're exhibiting when you do this, you know. So we're all, we're all fighting our, you know, fighting our own battle that is important to us. And so um, I just, uh, I honor all those um, battles that people are fighting in their life um, in whatever form it is.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. There, everyone, everyone has within them to take control and be a leader. Um, and I, I love how you put it where everybody has their thing that they are just passionate about, that they're rooted in. And just go with that. You know, I love that. Very nice. So Chelsea, is there something that you would like to kind of close us off with?
1: Yes, I think one thing that I'll close with that you had mentioned um, earlier in our conversation that really caught my attention was this idea of holding the big picture and everything that's happening around the world and on the national scene and holding that while also making one small move or one decision about one thing, like how to run a meeting. Mm. And I think that that's an important concept to highlight because it actually makes me think of fractals mm. and how the patterns that exist in a really big scale, when we zoom down into a really small um, perspective, we see the same pattern. Mm. And so so it might seem like I'm just a small person doing a small thing here. Right. Maybe I'm the person who's helping my kid with learning disabilities or maybe I'm the person who's helping my aging mom. You know, in my case I'm the person leading a school district, you know, in a little suburban Oregon. Mm-hmm. But what we do in those situations matters. It is connected to the larger system. And if a person has agency in how they show up in those ways that they're a leader in their own life, then they will have impact on the larger or the whole. So I just, um, I thought that was an important thing that you mentioned. I just wanted to bring that home that um, we can have effect on um, the rest of the world when we decide to um, show up in a really courageous and empathetic and intentional way in our own lives
0: yeah I love that we have the power to affect people you know and influence them even though we might be doing something that might seem small it's not as small as you might think it is because you're affecting people that affect other people that affect other people I, I love that point, that's beautiful. Chelsea, thank you so much for spending the time with me and and talking about your experience, where you come from, how that all lines up to leadership and and how that helps you in, in doing what you love to do. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome, thank you for the conversation, the opportunity to talk about what's important to me and. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing as a coach also in in the world and um, ways that you're helping everybody be their leader in
0: in their own lives. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Check out all the great things Chelsea is doing for our community and learn how to support her efforts by going to chelseakingfororegon.com and on Facebook and Instagram, same handle, Chelsea King for Oregon. Thank you for listening.